Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious I'm about. Curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationships. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships can evolve with people evolve as they grow, they grow and change? I'm having a thought, you know, this person is, is uh, overreacting. And then and VC tells me, look, that's because something in you is unmet. So what is that? What is it? If I'm thinking someone is overreacting, what needs of mine aren't being met? Welcome to Curious Fox Podcast. This is a podcast for those who challenge the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. My name is Jacqueline Misla. Hi, I'm Effie Bloom. On this episode, we'll be talking about nonviolent communication, or NVC, with Dr. Clara Moisella. Um, Clara is a brain scientist by training, turned NVC facilitator, and she's also an important part of the NYC NVC program as a coordinator, a trainer, and a mentor. Um, Clara, Clara is also the creator of Move, Nourish, Connect, a framework that supports people in developing a loving relationship with their body and with food. Her passion and former work as a neuroscientist informs and inspires all her activities. She's also a long-term fox and a friend. Welcome, Clara. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really excited and grateful to be here with you today. We are very excited to have you. Uh, so this topic was scheduled way before uh, we have been impacted globally by COVID-19. And as we were preparing for today, I continue to think this is exactly the topic that we need to be talking about right now. Because I imagine that for those of us who are in homes with our partners and families, or those who are separated from partners or families, that communication can be strained and so I'm very much looking forward to having a conversation with you around how we can improve the way we are communicating, both with ourselves and with those around us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think I, I, I don't know what I would do without this practice in this day. So <laughs> I am absolutely uh, really thrilled to be able to share it with as, as many people as possible and with the Curious Fox community in particular. So let me ask, you are, your family's in Italy. I just want to check in and make sure that everyone is doing well. My family is, is doing well at the moment. Of course, they are strained by the situation. All my family is actually in the north, so it's there in the region that's been most affected. But they're staying home, and uh, and I connect with them uh, on a daily basis to you know to keep a track of the situation. But yeah, thanks for asking. I'm so glad. Just to sort of let everybody know, we're recording. We normally record things in the same place. So Jackie and I get together, we invite our guests over and uh, we get comfy on our couch. Uh, we set up the, 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 the millions of wires that it takes to make this thing work. Uh, and this time we're actually um, recording from our living rooms um, over some, visit, some virtual tech. So um, it's gonna take a little bit of getting used to, um, it's, it's gonna take a little bit of getting used to um, who's speaking, when they're speaking. So we'll just see how it goes. And uh, hopefully the listeners 
well, our amazing editor will help us out afterwards. And then our listeners will give us a, a bit of a break as we figure this stuff out. So that also means that not only will you be hearing us, but you may at some point be also hearing the streets of Brooklyn <laughs> through, our, through our windows. <laughs> so, okay. different, we're covering all, the, all different areas of Brooklyn. <laughs> I have a, like a construction site right in front of my window. So yeah, okay. <laughs> you from that as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm wondering if we can just start with some context because in the bio, you know, neuroscientist, NVC facilitator, really, uh, focused on now supporting people with their, with their thoughts around their body and food. Can you give us a sense of the journey? How did you get into the NVC work and, and why was this something that you were drawn to? Absolutely. I, it was really coming from my, my personal journey in some way because I, I came here from Italy to, you know, to do my research. I was a graduate student when I moved, then I got my PhD here at City College, and then I stayed to work as a postdoc. And uh, I found that environment quite challenging, actually. I mean, I loved science, but the environment per se was quite competitive and aggressive. And back then, and I'm talking about almost 15 years ago, I was much younger and uh, I didn't have many communication tools at all. And so the environment of academia here with its competition, with its kind of rhythms, I was I was feeling very, very challenged by and uh, unable to express myself and, and struggled in the environment of the lab that I was working. And so I just really started looking for tools uh, for, for myself. I wanted to be able to express myself assertively and yet you know, compassionately without, you know, without being aggressive, but yet I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be heard. And I think back then and before learning NVC, I used to be very, um, I'm making hair quotes, <laughs> conflict, mm. conflict avoidant, meaning that in general, in the presence of conflict, I would shut down. I would shut down and I would do, you know, and I would kind of tend to comply most of the time, but being inside very frustrated and very unhappy and so I wanted to learn how to navigate conflict in a constructive way and uh, and that's what really NVC then taught me so I found NVC as I was really true <laughs> literally look googling <laughs> things and um, and uh, that was about seven years ago and uh, I and I found that there was an organization in New York, the New York Center for Nonviolent Communication. And I reached out. I said, can I volunteer? Can I intern? Can I do anything <laughs> to just be able to, to learn this work? And, uh, and they said yes, luckily. And, uh, and so I started um, learning and, and you know, studying with them. Tom Bond is the founder of the organization. And uh, yeah, and at that point, it, I had almost been in the lab for maybe maybe you know altogether almost seven years and uh, very unhappy and of course you know and there were challenges in other spheres spheres of my life as well but I think in the workplace was for me where they would come out the most and so I had been there for seven years and I found this work and through the awareness that that I got through this work Within one year, I resigned from my job, and I do it, mm. and I took, and I took a, a really big leap because at the time I was 
teaching yoga and you all know how can how sustainable that can be in New York City to <laughs> make a living through teaching yoga yeah. and you know doing very very little uh, work for the organization but then yeah it kept growing it kept growing and uh, over time I started sharing this work I started facilitating workshops and uh, you know mentoring people and I it's been I mean and no regrets whatsoever it's been the the most kind of wonderful shift in my in my life mm-hmm. and then I, the, the other thing you mentioned yeah I, I'm, I've always been very passionate about understanding our issues with our body and body image and as someone who struggled with that for most of her you know life and uh, and so I decided to then bring the NVC approach in the body and also kind of translate those uh, techniques to also be uh, non-violent in our relationship to ourselves so that's that's the other uh, side of my of my work yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's so interesting because there's a similar journey that I have as it relates to the work in non-monogamy similarly I think I was in the struggle was also googling things at some point trying to find resources came upon Effie and Curious Fox Similarly, again, started to go to events and workshops, reached out, was like, how can I get involved? And now, you know, years later, same with you, kind of uh, taking on more of a leadership role. And so I think that's just an interesting story point to share for folks who find those moments as as a part of my work. In addition to Curious Fox, I do uh, coaching. And so a lot of the coaching is around career coaching. And so I think that's why that strikes me, because when you lean into something that you care so deeply about, that you are in search of it and hungry for it, that you can often form a career around it when you really put yourself in that space and, and, and immerse yourself with it. And so I'm interested in, we, you know, we've referenced NVC and you've talked about the importance of it in your work. Can you give us a basics, nonviolent communication? What does that mean? And what are some of the core components of NVC? Absolutely. So the work that is known as nonviolent communication uh, is uh, has been developed over several years, actually, and it originates um, by a guy named Marshall Rosenberg. Marshall Rosenberg is uh, no longer alive, but he was a, a psychotherapist, actually, and, and that was uh, um, that operated in in the U.S. And I think he developed the the work of NVC probably over the span of, of several decades, starting maybe in the, even from the late 70s, probably, I believe. But anyway, the, the work then was kind of took the, the shape that it, it has currently, mostly in the late 90s, early 2000. And, uh, and, uh, and so the, the work of NVC developed as, uh, as also answering the question of, uh, what is that supports us humans, you know, connect with each other and what instead gets in the way of that. And I think Marshall particularly looked as how does our language play a role into that? And um, it plays a role into either supporting connection or creating a barrier to connection. And, uh, And so... NVC developed as a set of, of skills and tools that can help us notice when our communication gets in the way and then gives us a way to, you know, to remove those blocks. So it's both kind of developing an awareness of that and then have an alternative with the idea that often I think what we observe is that often when 
we experience pain, when we are in pain, we express that pain in a way that engenders more pain, you know, like that we are, we have sometimes, we don't have effective ways to communicate what's not working in us or for us in a way that others can be able to listen to us. And so often the way we express our pain comes through blame or criticism or aggression or, you know, and, and, or other or demands or other ways that then may create resistance, more pain, and they do not inspire other people in cooperating with us. And so, but the point is we need to be able, you know I mean? It's not that we, in, we have to hide or suppress our pain. We want to be able to talk through things. And I think NVC gives us tools or a way to do that in such a way that the listener or the person in front of us as is more likely to be able to listen and then maybe together we can find a solution. And, uh, and uh, so that's, and okay, I haven't yet mentioned any of those skills and I'm pausing here for a moment to see if this was, you know, what you were wanting to start or if you want me to go a bit more into some, some details of how NVC does that. No, I think that's a great intro. I think that as we go through, I'm going to be asking you more questions, but I love that kind of framing of it, that it's a more collaborative way of identifying needs and strategies as opposed to someone kind of driving towards what they want and going blindly towards that, that it sounds like it's something that is happening now in collaboration, both with yourself, your body and your mind, and then with the people who are around you. Yeah, maybe the one thing that I feel like mentioned as uh, there's really um, a core core idea that I think supports the... Uh, the entire practice of, of NVC. And, uh, and this is an idea that, you know, I invite everyone who's listening to fill, fill it out. See, like, is it something that, that sen- seems to make sense to you or not? But the, the idea at the heart of NVC is that all, all what we do is, uh, can be seen as an expression of a, of a core set of human needs that we all share, that, you know, we're, we're, all what we do is an expression or an attempt to meet needs. And when we're going to meet for our workshop later next month, we're going to definitely dive more in depth to that. But needs can be, needs are like abstract qualities, qualities that we want to experience in our lives, ranging from from connection, well-being, peace, uh, meaning, creativity. So we all share these qualities and uh, and everything we do is an attempt to to meet these needs and you, generally we call in nvc we have this we, we call these uh, things we do our strategies and so we pay a lot of attention to this uh, distinction in nvc because uh, following from this distinction then we can say Whenever we experience conflict, conflict happens at the level of the strategies that we use to meet our needs. Conflict happens at the level of what we are doing um, to meet our needs and not at the level of needs themselves. And so a core aspect of the the practice of, of NVC is being able to kind of backtrack to the needs we often see you know something happening that that we don't like and maybe we can we can play with the with some example uh, 
but yeah, yeah. But. an example I think is is a sort of a way to put context. The, the example that I like to give people is to make it really really basic around you know hunger is a need. And what you're, what you're doing with that, like eating is a strategy and what you're eating, when are you eating it, who you're eating it with, um, and those are strategies. And, and, um, that if there is conflict, it's around how are you going to meet that need of hunger and not the fact that you're hungry. Yeah, that's a great example. And so I may have different preferences also on food. You know, I may, I may like, you know, maybe a certain, a certain, you know, I mean, I may like Italian food and you may like maybe another, you know, another type. And if you, and, and I think, yeah, that's, that's a great one because in general, yeah, in general, we don't get too, too nasty with each other about food preferences, but, but if you translate that, yeah, that, that parallel to, you know, to, to other, to other aspects, um, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I did your um, class in, um, I did a class that you taught, well, you taught for Curious Fox and that was amazing. Um, and um, that was probably one, of, I think that was to this day, the most popular class, the most popular workshop we've ever done actually. So uh, but kudos to you. And then I took um, some of your other classes with um, NYC and VC um, organization. And um, one of the things that you know, you get in those classes is that, is that this, this magical, what I call it a cheat sheet of uh, a long list of needs and a, and a bunch of, bunch of words. It's essentially a vocabulary list, or I like calling it a cheat sheet, and I, I use it with my clients sometimes. Um, and then another list of feelings, um, and we can talk about that in a minute. But in the needs list, one of the things that really struck me is, um, like you said, there are common um, there are a common set of needs that ultimately everybody, everybody has. And some of them that I, my initial response was like, oh, I didn't even consider that a need. And that made me think that it's probably because it's a need that's often easily and without any effort met. Mm-hmm. Like hunger is a great example. So we live in a, you know, we're privileged people living in the first world with abundance of food. So you don't necessarily think of hunger as a, as a, as a need because you're hungry, you, you meet it straight away. And I find that the complexity becomes around needs that are not necessarily so abundant, you know, and, and, and they're a little bit more on the abstract side, especially, you know, um, like needs around connection, um, needs around fairness, um, some of the more complex kind of needs that are, um, uh, uh, you know, I think harder to, to, um, express and to sort of, um, to figure out what, what are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, I think there's uh, there's definitely, you know, in general, we, we tend to notice things when, when we're experiencing maybe some pain around them. And so that, 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 that shows up. And uh, I think though it's, uh, in the practice, uh, in my practice, uh, it's also it's become also nice, yes, to notice and celebrate those things that may, we may take for granted at times and, and not even be aware that may that especially in times like this, I feel like it could be it could be interesting to notice. Sometimes I just go through the through the list of needs and just just to just to feel those those qualities in. But I think you, I think yeah, um, I I hear what you say in that we may. Um, become be more familiar to the things that uh, that we have, were most sensitive, and ultimately the list uh, to me, you know, it's it may be not even an exhaustive list, and and, and we may have even different sensitivities to to different needs. But I think 
that cheat sheet, as as you call it, which I love. I, I love this. It's kind of is actually Tom, uh, our uh, our founder, calls it like a, a spec sheet for life. You know, like it's, it's our specification sheet of how our life is is going. And uh, and yeah, it's it's what it's what we have in common. That's 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 also a core idea in NVC is that is that idea that. We, if we're humans, we have a lot in common, and this is what is in common beyond, uh, you know, race, behind, behind our religions, behind our country of origin, beyond our choices in terms of relationships. There's something that that we're, that's in common, and it, and needs is that something, or at least uh, I think the the very um, unique aspect of NBC has been to capture those, to capture those, those qualities and to give, to create that, that list of names that, uh, and con or collect, let's say not create because it's not, that it was made from scratch, but to identify those, those qualities as uh, our uh, common ground with the idea that if we are able to, um, to see each other at that level, we, if we are able to see to see each other at that level, then from that place we can uh, we can create the life we want. We can we can cooperate, and and NVC really holds a vision for you know for everyone's needs to be considered. You know, like if in conflict there's a, in in conflict we come maybe with two very different strategies, and we work on finding the underlying needs and then come up with an even different solution that can address uh, all all needs together yeah i what i like about the example of food too is that it gives you an opportunity to think about the connection between needs and feelings which is what we're saying is on that sheet and that unmet needs can potentially trigger particular feelings or met needs trigger particular feelings so if i am hungry and that is not addressed there will certainly be lots of emotions that are expressed <laughs> that are different than if I had eaten, right? So I may show up as more ir- irritable or less patient or, you know, there may be some things, some consequences physiologically and emotionally to my unmet needs versus my when my needs are being met. And so that's yeah. interesting to me in terms of the connection between those two things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there, in NBC, we have these uh, kind of... Uh, idea where that where there are uh, two major ways that we can become aware of whether our needs are met or and or not and one you just named you know it's it's through feelings that there's a very basic correlation between uh, needs and feelings meaning that when our needs are met we generally feel well there's something pleasant that happens and uh, you know, of many, you know, it can be happy, joyous, or relaxed, or or centered, or or comfortable, or excited, but something pleasant and expensive. Um, whereas when our needs are not met, we experience something unpleasant, and uh, or like, and again, it could be from anger to sadness to fear to irritation to loneliness. So. And so there's this, this is one way. And in fact, we say feelings are, are messengers uh, of needs and they, and, and they almost like an inner compass that immediately mm. tells me something is going on. Mm-hmm. And then the other, the other signal is through our thoughts. So, and this is a li- maybe, this maybe is a little 
more interesting to explore because I think we're less um, accustomed to see that, you know, to see our thoughts and to see how they may relate to our needs. There's a, um, there's the idea that uh, when, uh, especially let's say when our needs, uh, when we're in pain or our needs are not being met, we may form a judgment thought about the situation. So we may think, uh, let's see if we can come up with a with a relevant example. Maybe it could be interesting um, if you have you um, observed. And I'm asking myself as well. Um, any uh, any judgment thought coming up in these days as we're uh, oh sure I can give you tons of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like what do you need I'm I'm a source of examples. Um, Self-judgments, judgments of others. Like, let me give you the menu. Which one should we go through? Let's try the judgment of others. Um, mm-hmm. And then maybe we'll play also with the judgment. Of yeah. Them. So uh, in this particular time, there could be uh, judgment around how people are potentially are reacting. And so, for example, in one case, I have one partner who is um, maybe showing up. And it actually changes, I think, throughout the course of the day. But maybe showing up more concerned and fearful and more, tra- how are you doing? Have you taken your temperature? How is this? How is yes. that? Or what's going Perfect. on? And then another one who's like, everything is fine. Let's go for a walk. Everything's going to be great. And then that may change throughout the day. But there are certainly different things that are being expected of me that I have judgments around. Perfect. So that, that's a great example. Thank you. So let's say we're thinking someone is overreacting. That, that's the thought, right? So, and, mm-hmm. uh, and then we see we're, we're, you know, it's interesting. We say, um, there's, there's, in a way, I want to say there's no such thing an overre- as an overreacting person, mm-hmm. which may sound a little provocative, but, but what we say, like, is the moment I'm thinking, someone is uh, is overreacting something is going on for me that is not working i'm seeing something or i'm listening to something and you already kind of described actually pretty accurately what could be maybe someone you know checking in on you and a certain number of times or asking you to do you know whether you check your temperature and so so something is happening i'm having a thought you know this person is is uh, overreacting and then and vc tells me look that's because something in you is unmet. So what is that? What is that? If I'm thinking someone is overreacting, what needs of mine aren't being met? What mm. is that? That's I would say need, need for calmness, maybe need for mm-hmm. autonomy. Um, mm. I can, I can like, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm like an empathy machine. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe peace of mind. Uh, yeah. Or, mm-hmm. Um, um, mm-hmm. need for um, control. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting one. So that's the need, mm-hmm. in, in, and I'm glad you mentioned it because there, the control or power or, you know, domination or all of those those qualities in, in MVC, we don't consider them really needs, but the, they're, again, they're, they're strategies that mm-hmm. probably tend to different needs and maybe the strategy to control or to use kind of power over could be again, maybe to have a sense of safety or security or, 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 or order. So mm-hmm. I think, so I think, yes, we named a few, you know, if I'm probably am valuing calmness and peace of mind and maybe even perspective mm-hmm. and uh, awareness. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so those, so there are needs, Mm-hmm. At the same time, I can also look as to, okay, what, what's that person? What could be mm-hmm. their needs in that moment? 
you know, mm-hmm. to, to uh, express the way they are expressing mm-hmm. what could be actually masking you. Right, you safety, wanna. I imagine, or yeah. peace, also peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what's interesting is, and, and I'll tell you where my mind went to automatically, when you were like, well, what needs are being met? I, my instinct was to go to, well, what needs of my partners are not being met that they are showing up that way, as opposed to what needs in me are not being met that I am being, I am reacting in this way, that I'm reacting with judgment. And I think that that is really something that I, in this work, have to pause with all mm-hmm. the time, because I show up at first as what's happening for you, <laughs> that mm-hmm. this is going on, as opposed to what is happening for me that I am reacting this way and then after addressing that then moving on to well what could they be going through and how can I support them in yeah. that way mm-hmm. and ultimately I need both right so it's like mm-hmm. I think it's it's interesting to notice where we may be going yeah. first but but ultimately both sides are important because you know I, I want to ideally maybe enter a dialogue to see like okay you know how can uh, you know how can we work out this thing in such a way that, you know, that both our needs are considered and hopefully even met. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So, yeah, so in that sense, uh, that's, that's, um, that's what Marshall would say that every thought, every judgment, or I'll say particularly, let's say, moralistic judgment, some, something that kind of stems from ideas of right, wrongs or good, bad, and like something like the word, you know, overreacting uh, mm-hmm. could be, um, are, he called them tragic expressions of unmet needs mm-hmm. because uh, in a way, uh, tragic actually for, for two reasons, because on the, on the one end, imagine if you were to go to that person, you know, that was uh, behaving in the way you described and tell them, you know, like you're really overreacting. How, how do you, how, how well do you think that would be received? <laughs> Especially in this time, mm-hmm. uh, not, not really, not really well. So usually when, you know, when we communicate through, you know, through judgment or criticism or, or, or any of those variations or blame, we create this connection, right? So we lose connection and, uh, and so that's one, one of the reasons why, you know, Marsha would say judgments are tragic because they, they disconnect. And uh, the second reason is that that person then, as a consequence of the disconnection, the person is probably not going to be as <laughs> inspired to really listen to us or to cooperate with us. And, and, to, and that would mean that probably our needs and are not going to be met. So mm-hmm. there's kind of like a lose-lose in some way because mm. I, I dis- and, or if the person is going to, you know, is going to change their behavior is likely to come from uh, more from a place of compliance, you know, like the one that I was describing before from my personal history. So it's going to be coming more from a place of, oh, yes, it's true. I'm overreacting. I should, you know, I should change but not from a true understanding mm. of needs. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why in general... From being like, shamed into it or yeah, being exactly. controlled into it yeah. as opposed to really coming to that on their own. Exactly. Mm-hmm. From a place of co- coercion or thinking that, uh, that they are bad or fearing the consequences. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, that's, and that's not 
where we would want the, the change to come from. In NDC, what we, the, the ideal situation that we envision is that change is going to come uh, um, joyfully even, you know, from an awareness of, of, of everyone's needs. And, uh, and so that's, that's the place where we would want to go. And, and it's a place where we arrive and go to, through, through dialogue, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- these are, it's, it's such a profound, it, it's interesting. I think people's first re- reaction to or knowledge of NVC is um, the cheat sheet that I mentioned and the very specific language, right? And what I'm hearing from you so far is we haven't even, it's, it's an understanding, it's a philosophy, it's a framework, it's a way of looking at life, it's a way of a, a filter through which you interface with your own experience and the other person's experience. So there's a lot of broader understanding and a, and a shift in the way that we think about things before we even get into the language of it all. Oh my God, I'm so glad that you mentioned that and thank you. Thank you because yes, yes, like <laughs> so much yes to that. And I think... Uh, I'm glad we have an opportunity to name that because I think that's that's also been one of the aspects that has been I mean, maybe most misunderstood and most controversial of NVC because at in some at some stages uh, as uh, you know the uh, the evolution of the work it has been sometimes thought more as a as a language model with certain ways to you know to express or we may and some people if if you are listening and you are familiar with NVC you may have heard about that model but yes that 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 is not um you know that those are tools those are skills and they are supported by an intention the intention to connect the intention to concede you know to look at the person in front of me and wanting to see the humanity there and then to co-create change if that intention isn't there then you know it's like every every tool you know every tool can be <laughs> either dangerous or life serving depending on the intention mm. we use and if uh, and if my intention is to manipulate or if my intention is to get to a particular result then no matter you know what tools i use even if uh, i use uh, the perfect mvc lingo and and then it's not gonna be truly mvc mm. to me mm. That's that's something mm-hmm. what we call the yeah the, the consciousness of of mm-hmm. the practice um, mm-hmm. versus the, the doing yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So Clark, um, having t- t- talked about this, um, why why um, would you say the NVC is so important during this time? It's it's like you talked about it as a tool, and as I, as you were saying that, what I had in mind, like the thing that popped into my mind, that is pouring outside, and NVC is an umbrella. Like right now, it's a really important tool. Um, it, it's like it's like a it's like it's it's to me it's like the umbrella in the rain kind of tool. And I just want to sort of talk with you about you know why is it such an important uh, tool during these strange times, um, and how can we really use it to make our lives better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I I I think it's uh, you know it's uh, definitely a tool. That's important in any time, but in this particular time, I see two two directions that seem crucial to me. You know, and we that in in uh, in uh, in a kind of in a synthetic way, we could say you know empathy and self empathy, meaning that 
let's the self empathy piece meaning connecting with with myself and being able to discern you know discern my needs and what i may want to do i think it's critical as we're navigating a time of such profound shift so everything we know is changing we are bombarded with so much information and so many voices telling us what we should be doing or what we shouldn't be doing and i think uh, nvc has a practice of uh, self-connection and really tuning into the wisdom of our body the wisdom of of our mind to really and the partnership between between them to to notice how are how we're doing what we need in a certain moment is it rest is it connection is it stimulation is it space because it's and i think that's that's, so NVC as a navigation tool in this situation, I think it's uh, it's paramount. And uh, and then and then communication with others in a, in a in a time where um, where we are definitely stretched thin and often you know dealing with uh, um, uncomfortable feelings and uh, so having tools that um, to listen to one another and then kind of hold space for one another as well as to being able as we were saying before being able to express uh, our discomfort and express our pain in a way that doesn't increase or it doesn't even generate more pain i think i think it's it's really it's really important and uh, and i think it's it's so it's so critical um, in these times. I feel like to to be able to make space for feelings that come up. For the, there's a lot of energy moving, and, and and unfortunately, in most cases, we have less ability to actually move. You know, we will just really very literally, and uh, and so I think it's uh, it's so important to find um, a way to you know to not suppress this energy, but to kind of let it flow through and to me nvc gives me one of the of the at least for me the most effective ways to to let this energy flow which is connecting that to my needs and let then the needs inform what i may you know do about that yeah mm-hmm. this, this is actually um this is actually a really good moment to also, I want to, because you, you are a brain scientist, right? You're, you're my mm-hmm. type of nerd. You're like a scientist <laughs> who gets this kind of behavioral stuff. And, um, and I'm, I'm interested in if you got any sort of what you know about the brain, like the science of the brain, what I, what I, you know, very novicely called the anatomy of the brain and my little knowledge of, of, of how, how the brain works. It's, um, so just to sort of see how, the, the organ of the brain, like how is the physiology of the brain is, is working as we are um, using um, NVC and trying to check in with ourselves to understand what's going on with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I want to say, uh, I'm saying all of this uh, uh, very, very humbly as that uh, there's such a vast and complex uh, and complex topic. So I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I know I think I'm going to just absolutely just scratch the, the surface, but I think that I, I love to, 
this idea of uh, of a partnership between you know between brain and body, or maybe there's even more an idea that uh, that the br- the brain is uh, is really not confined to you know our skull itself, but it's much more diffused into our body. I think that. So in an in NVC, um, or at least what, for what's 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 relevant in the in the practice of NVC, I think that that we're creating this this partnership in that there are all this information that our body kind of sends up to the brain, or or vice versa, that our brain sends. Our brain really is able to track all what's what's happening on so many different levels. We give it this name that's called interoception. So we have this ability to sense our our body at the level of the heartbeat, the breathing, the concentration of substances in in the blood, even the state of contraction of the muscles and and a lot, so many more, (laughs) so many more variables. And, and all of that, you know, is conveyed to, uh, to the brain. And it actually com- uh, goes into this particular area that's, that's called the insula in the cortex, the insular cortex, which is the end uh, where we get to, exp- you know, to map. We really have a map of our, um, of our internal organs and into the inside of our body in the cortex. And then... Uh, and I'm again for those of you who might be scientists and listening. I am super <laughs> simplifying this. Please <laughs> bear with me. But the idea is that, um, and as humans, we have this uh, unique ability to, you know, to then ha- is basically have an awareness, a conscious awareness of this uh, this very multidimensional information that happens in our body, and then give it a name, right? So if uh, in the cheat sheet that we're going to definitely share with you um, um, when we work together next month, there's also a list of feelings and emotion concepts. So we get, we as humans, we have this ability of naming and by giving a name to the emotional experience, we actually, that's the way we feel it, actually. That's the way we get it to conscious awareness. And what does and what that does what does that mean is also that that in turn gives me the ability to regulate that to regulate that at the you know at the conscious level and so that could be through for example connecting it with the moment we make the connection and we ask the question okay so what 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 need is that you know what is going on what what am I needing. That, of course, is a mental faculty. That's executive function that's happening. So there it's where our, you know, frontal lobes kick in and I may be able to, you know, to, there are a lot of sort of associative areas that collect all these different informations, our senses, our interoception, and then all together I can, you know, direct, direct action and be proactive towards what I may Maybe doing so that rather than just um, reacting or you know, or acting habitually, I may be able to kind of ask myself, "Is this you know, is this habit working for me, or may I need you know to create a new one?" I think most often 
we may when we start learning and we see we we probably have very different habits from our past right of dealing with conflict very very different habits of responding to stress very different habits of responding to pain we're not used to slow down and look at needs usually so that's a new habit that we want what we need to create so and i think so all of those are aspects that have interesting um that have interesting um you know connections or uh, or um with the with the you know with the neuroscience and mm-hmm. uh, yeah mm-hmm. it's making me think about this in connection with what you were saying before around all the things that are happening in our minds and all the stories being told of what we should be doing during this time and and as you're talking for myself part of what was happening was oh i need to be more mindful of this process as i'm going through the next few weeks of not knowing what that's going to look like which made me think about a little bit of the intersection between our work. So I shared, you know, that I do career coaching, but it's under the bigger umbrella of change management, which is really my area of focus. And in the conversations around change, I often am having conversations with the client, my clients around empathy and around mourning, mourning the loss of what they had, mourning the idea of what they wanted that they may not have, having empathy with themselves through the process of change, which could be really difficult. And so I'm interested in how that ties into the NVC work, because I imagine that self-empathy and even mourning of not getting your needs met have to be built into the, the philosophy of how to navigate through this. Absolutely. I think that empathy, and I'm going to define it in a moment, because I think in NVC we have a, a particular definition of, of empathy but I, I would say it's the I think it's the foundation of of our practice of uh, and uh, it's uh, everything starts from that empathy in NVC we, we define empathy as the ability to read actually we define empathy as that kind of curiosity towards understanding what is uh, what someone else is going through you know and and that in particularly at the level in particular from the level of feelings and needs what is someone feeling and what is someone needing at on a moment by moment and it's almost i want to say empathy is a kind of orienting our attention towards that dimension in, in someone else that it's almost like a whole body understanding. It's not just a mental understanding. It's just kind of really like tuning in and, and uh, yeah, and uh, having that sense of like, yes, I, I get where you are and what you're experiencing. And, uh, and in, in such way as what I was saying before, like it's from that awareness of, of, uh, of needs that, then I can come up with creative solutions. And so you can see how empathy becomes uh, really the key muscle because it brings us back there. It brings us back there from the many other things that we're used to do. And then, and then sometimes when we, you know, when we hold that empathic space with someone else, which may, it may look sometimes just as listening to someone silently, Sometimes it may look as like asking them about their feelings and needs. Is it that you're feeling 
sad and you'd like to experience more freedom. You know, it could sound like as a more in-depth reflection of what we hear. That sometimes empowers the person to find their own road, you know, to find their own um, solutions, even though it's some, we're so used to want to offer the solution ourselves. I want to, you know, I want to mm-hmm. fix, I want to give advice. Mm-hmm. I wanna, you know, I want to, I want to make you feel better. And, uh, and I think there's, uh, it's so powerful to, you know, the power of being simply heard and, 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 and held in, uh, I think, and this, I think particularly at this time, I don't know, I cannot understate how, how, critical it is to have spaces and, and connections where that are dedicated just to that. And uh, um, I think it's especially in these times where we may be com- sometimes confined, you know, either with few people, maybe alone, uh, you know, and maybe there's, you know, less availability of... Uh, of certain strategies for connection, I think, I think it's so, it's so important to, uh, yeah, to cultivate, to know that we can uh, have uh, uh, that type of uh, listening and connection. And I think part of, we talk about this often, taking care of yourself and making sure that you understand what your needs are and that you are focused on some self-care and going inward first is so important because I believe that then that provides an opportunity for you to have that well that is deep enough for you to hold space for someone else. I think about when I am have less energy, it's towards the end of the day. So for example, I may show up much more empathetic to my daughter in the beginning of the day than I would towards bedtime. Because at that point now I'm, I'm just emotionally and physically exhausted. And so if she needs more of me, it is much harder of me to dig deep and just sit in, in, in her pain and not try to move towards problem solving or strategizing because I just need her to get through it so that she can go to bed so that I can go to bed. Where when I feel more fed, I can sit in the feeling and not move her to try to name it quite yet or plan around it quite yet and just sit in that first stage of it. But <coughs> excuse me, that, that only comes when I am first whole. I think the other part of that is, um, um, again, it's, it, you know, when, when you're saying that, Jackie, the thing that came up for me is uh, going into problem solving mode um, mm-hmm. is also a strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's if, you, if you're able to remain curious in that moment rather than trying mm-hmm. to move it along, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, it's because you've already decided what the solution is and you want to move towards that rather than holding on to it, which is hard. I mean, th- th- we call, I mean, I named Curious Fox Curious Fox because curiosity is, is such a heart of, like, it, it is an antidote to so many things and it's often the answer to so many things. And in those moments, it is, again, the answer to sort of remain curious in those moments um, and... Um, just see what comes up and giving other people space to kind of meet you where they're at. And, and, and there's absolutely sort of energy there. It takes energy to, to be that way for sure. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and there's uh, absolutely nothing wrong with sol- problem solving or fixing. Yeah. There may be times where we are really looking for that. And, you know, thank goodness that, you know, there may be time where I am looking for advice from someone, you know, and I think it's very interesting to to notice that you know even 
uh, I think when people, when we work with people and people and I, and people even start to, to have a felt experience of what, what it feels like to be just heard and listened to without, you know, any rushing into fixing or change what I'm experiencing and just be present to that. That is like, wow, I didn't even know this thing existed and it Mm -hmm. feels so good. Mm -hmm. And then, and that can inform us as to when we may be needing that instead Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, more kind of, problem solving or in or reassurance mm-hmm. and and that's 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 really important we tackle a lot of it, one of my one of my partners because he says that he's like uh, he's always wanting to fix and it's so hard for him to you know to <laughs> to suppress and say like oh i need to listen i need to listen and yeah. and uh, it's mm-hmm. yeah i think uh, but i think there's a uh, yeah it's uh, it's something to really try and it's something that we put a lot of emphasis in, uh, in our trainings, you know, as soon as we cover the basics, then the first thing that, that we, that we teach is really these skills for empathic receiving. And we really encourage people to, to create a support system in the, in their life. We, we have this, what we call empathy buddies or empathy partners. These are people with, from my support network, from colleagues or, or people that I was, I, did, I was in workshops together that I connect with, with the pure intention of listening to one another. You know, we set aside a time, we put on a timer, and then we decide who goes first and we just listen to each other with an agreement that we're just going to be reflecting back what we hear, making guesses as, is that you're feeling this or you, is it because you would need more of that? And mm-hmm. uh, what does that look like for the self? Because I know we, we started to, to explore a little bit about self-empathy and, and mourning through change and, and kind of with your needs not being met. And so I understand it as relates certainly to empathy for others and showing up, giving them space. Is that translate the same way? Is it just about giving ourselves space to feel? Yeah, I think, you know, I want to distinguish that I'm talking of empathy, both in general as, uh, you know, where I direct my attention, you know, and that, and that I can do that either towards others or, or towards, uh, or towards myself. Right. So, and um, for me, self-empathy involves the added skills of really noticing moment by moment, what, what am I doing? Where am I focusing my attention am i being triggered am i being activated what do i want to do there's a when uh, we often uh, share that that victor frankl quote that says like you know between a stimulus and response there is a space you know and that mm-hmm. space lies your ability to to choose what to do and in that choice re- lies your freedom you know because generally we just we default to certain ways, to certain strategies, uh, because that's, you know, that's what we've learned. And, uh, and so I think the ability to notice, is this really what I want to do? You know, is this really the way I want to answer? You know, is this uh, really the way I want to operate and uh, create that space? So self-empathy to me, it really is, uh, you know, includes the ability of, Oh, noticing, uh, 
Tom, my teacher, says, you know, the, the three most important words uh, that he thinks it, uh, this work has is, is, what is that? You know, it's kind of, what is that? And taking, you know, for me, it's, it also involves, and maybe this blends a bit of my yoga practice and mindfulness practice, uh, going back to the breath, going back to the gravity in my body, feeling the weight of my body, you know, on the chair, feeling my feet on the floor, putting a hand on my belly, especially now that we're, you know, the touch is being so limited, really giving myself some somatic cues. And then discerning what, you know, what narratives are happening. What am I telling myself? What's going on? And what, and, and then, you know, moving through and feelings and needs. And that's, that's a long process. It may take, you know, it may take, Mm -hmm. it may take long, uh, but what's the but but what's the alternative? You know, it's I think the more I feel like, yes, it may be it may seem less efficient in the beginning, but what's at stake? What we you know? What what happens if I go if I go fast? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you name one. I really want to name. You know, you named morning, and I think I wanted to to um, say a couple of words about that because I feel like. It's, it's critical at this time where we're challenged inevitably, right? There's a lot, you know, where there's so much that's, that's, that's probably uh, bringing us pain and resistance in us as we navigate limitations on, on many levels, as we, na- as we navigate health challenges possibly, you know, there's so much. And um, the concept of, of mourning in NVC speaks to the idea that I can stay open even to my pain if I am able to, you know, to, to understand that my pain is telling me about my needs. My pain is telling me about something that I value, about how much I value maybe freedom and, uh, and well-being and movement and air so that I can, uh, uh, in a way, almost kind of consciously experience the absence of something, but as a way to know, oh, this is me, this is what I love, this is what I value. And, uh, and Marsha would say, this is more of a sweet pain, as opposed as the alternative, which is a a contractive type of pain that's, that's, you know, connected with the thoughts and judgment. This shouldn't be happening. This sucks. This is terrible. This is, you know, this is something, this is so unfair, you know, and, and that's a much more restricted and, uh, um, yeah, and contracted way that does not connect me with what's truly the source it's almost kind of a resistance a resistance or pushing the the pain away and i think to me that feels potentially more dangerous again here quotes because uh, then then the energy is stuck or it may erupt very you know abruptly and uh, or and and it may you know really um, create challenges both in, in the connection with ourselves mm-hmm. and with mm-hmm. others. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. makes me think that the 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 sort of 
uh, again, just I'm leaning on your sort of neuroscience knowledge. There's a, you know, when we're coming from those places where activated or triggered, we're coming from a survival system, right? Like there is essentially mm-hmm. at the core of it all, there's fear, there's an unmet need and there's a fear around it. And what the cost of that unmet need is going to be to us is sort of my understanding yeah. of it. And when we are operating from that place, um, it's our fear, our, our, the fear response, right? And we know that our fear response is fight, flight or freeze. Yeah. And because we call it that, I think at least I notice with my clients and the people I um, uh, work with or, or encounter that they, because those words are so physical, they li- they think of them li- literally. So it's like fight is like getting your, your fists up. Fight is like running away. And, and, um, and flight is like running away and freeze is like literally just like pausing in place, which may work, which may look like that, but it's also like, uh, um, there's a more of a nuanced emotional versions of those fight, flight, and freeze. Mm-hmm. And I think if um, you can do that, you know, if the pain comes, you can disassociate from the pain. That would be a flight response, or you can become very judgmental about it um, and a- get angry. Like anger is a fight response, and um, and then a, a flight response would be something like a disassociation or resisting or like not wanting to to deal with it. Um, and the, the, you know, the freeze responses when you kind of turn inwards sometimes, or you go into people pleasing, it's interesting. Like people fleeting is a freeze response um, yes. where you kind of want to just like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You know? Um, and all that stuff comes from like your amygdala, right? It comes from a, a re- very reactive place, um, where there's something like sitting with the pain and letting it go through as you be- remain curious. Like, this is my understanding. It's like, almost the like curiosity lives in the frontal cortex, like curiosity mm-hmm. lives in the executive brain and, and is really able to be online when it's not overridden by the amygdala. It's mm-hmm. my understanding of it. Does yeah. That, yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, that's fear response or stress response. So we have, uh, we have uh, sort of developed this kind of stereotypical way, you know, to respond to stress that you may have heard of what's called the HPA axis, which is a hypothalamus pituitary amygdala. So those are kind of the, the structures that are basically involved in, uh, you know, the, a lot more probably is involved. But there's a core system involved in the, you know, in, in, the, in the stress response which is in great part an automatic mechanism of response to danger. What is interesting to remember is that has been, you know, that has evolved in response of situations, you know, of, you know, ages ago where the threat, you know, used to be a real physical threat, you know, or just like an animal chasing us or something where, where there was the stress response really developed to be something that was very short-lived, mobilize the body to run away, you know, to, uh, to concentrate or, you know, all the, the energies into running away or fighting, fighting, you know, to, and it was supposed to just, you know, to just last maybe three minutes, something like that, because then either you would be safe or you would be dead. So that was kind <laughs> of the, the, and that's, and it's so interesting because for a much longer time in our evolution, you know, we've had those kinds of, of dangers, but now uh, those dangers, uh, thank goodness, I should say, are not are not what we meet on a daily basis unless we are in a, you know, in a, in dangerous situation. But I want to say the the majority of us uh, in some sort of you know living with some some level of privilege, we we don't confront those kinds of of life and death necessarily on a 
on a day to day. And so the most often we are confronted with what, what's, what's more like a low level chronic type of stress. Mm-hmm. That's about the stress of having a conversation with our partner or with our coworker, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. And that has been, that has really been so, you know, so challenging for for our kind of mind body system because that's not again that's that's not what it evolves for and so those continuous uh, low low grade activation has really been connected with the inflammation with all sorts of you know negative impact um, on our health and yes mm. so I think the and uh, I think that that when I was talking about how to let the energy move, I was really like thinking about that, you know, we need to somehow let that flow and then go back to a baseline. How do we, how do we regulate, you know, how do we regulate that? Well, we can act on probably on, on many different level on, on the one end when we can, yeah, changing the context or changing the situation, but I guess, especially in these times, maybe that's what's less available to us because maybe we cannot, you know, choose to be somewhere else. You know, we have to be where we are in our apartments, you know, and and we cannot really change what's happening at the global level. And and so what are other ways that we can, you know, that we can um, regulate? And I think what I love about NVC is that to me, it is really... In regular, it is very regulatory in some way for me. Just mm-hmm. uh, and there is some science about that too, in terms of how even naming the feeling or and naming the need can, you know, change our changes our physiology almost just, you know, just that. So mm-hmm. yeah, and um, so yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I want to bring it sort of a little closer to home for us, which yeah. is um, with all this knowledge and a new sort of understanding of looking at things, um, we're in a very specific situation. We're stuck at home. Oh, no, we're not saying stuck. Uh, what are we saying, Jackie? We have a new framing of this. <laughs> <laughs> we're, sur- we're thriving at home as opposed to just surviving. <laughs> we're, we are... Um, you we can are- tell we're doing real well, Clara. With- <laughs> <laughs> we're like, no, we're not trapped. We're <laughs> yeah, not confined <laughs> with our partners. We are socially responsible and supporting the... You know, the- <laughs> We have the beautiful opportunity to explore who we are and who we, the people we love in closer proximity. Um, So we are um, living indoors. (laughs) We're sharing a roof with uh, our partners and, um, you know, we're away from, and by the way, let let me, let me take this as a kind of a teachable moment because I think it's so interesting. I mean, even the fact that, you know, we're stuck at home or we're confined at home. Those are, those are the narratives that can mm-hmm. run in our head. Right. And, and to me, like, um, I want to pay attention, meaning that it's not that I want to ditch it too quickly because sometimes then I get even nervous as to, okay, now I have to say, oh, yes, I am, you know, whatever alternative that right. is. And that may not, you know, right. may not feel true. I feel like I'm, what I'm really thinking is that I'm fucking effing stuck at <laughs> home, you know. So... <laughs> But then, like we were, you know, saying before, that that to me is like is revealing that 
there's something that I'm missing, that I'm something mm. that I would be, that I'm longing for. That's maybe freedom and choice and space and movement. So rather than say like, um, and this is, you know, it's, it's a choice, of course, but I think to me, rather than necessarily reframing that sentence, I could say like, wow, I'm thinking that I'm stuck at home. And, and that reminds me of how much I am, I love, you know, freedom and I love, so just, I felt like that's an interesting, mm-hmm. and then I can, mm-hmm. and then I can, I, it gives me the choice. Like I can, I probably, if I, when I think I'm stuck at home, there's a certain state in my body. When I think mm-hmm. um, like, you know, I'm choosing to do something that, you know, supports, you know, the health of people around me. And I'm really, you know, strained because I, I love moving and I love freedom different mm-hmm. places to be so yeah mm-hmm. so I, I felt like yeah no, no it's perfect, perfect mm-hmm. actually because you know um jackie and i talk throughout the day multiple times and and you know and, and i think what's also at least i'm noticing is because we're talking a lot and we're writing a lot right because we're now in communication a lot um i'm paying more attention to our language and how we frame things and it's very very insightful and when you're kind of looking at things from a, a frame you're actually missing at least like you're missing a bunch of metadata otherwise you would get right so you're actually just like stuck with them just or just seeing them in a very two-dimensional way and you're not really getting them energetically you're not really getting any body language everyone's kind of sitting on chairs so like suddenly there's a stripping of a bunch of data that would otherwise come through Mm -hmm. and now you really have to be mindful of your language your facial expressions, like we're the way that we communicate is, is shifting whether we like it or not, right? It's great we have this technology, but now like there's no like I'm a I'm a very like a movement person. So when I'm telling a story, I'm like usually moving around, right? And all that is lost because I'm I have to sit in a chair, I have to kind of make eye contact through a screen and a camera, yeah. and 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 now I have to rely so much more on my language, so much more emphasis on my my voice and it's just a whole new way of communicating and then language like words become really really important you know and you really can't get away from like you can't sulk right now Mm -hmm. right so i want to i want to bring it i want to just bring it back on to like relationships and non-monogamy and 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 how it works so this is a great example of like you can't actively sulk right now with your partner because it's really weird to turn, turn on a camera to then sulk you know what mm. I mean? So you really have to I kind know. of. I feel like I've done some virtual sulking over the past week. <laughs> I was like, as you're saying that, I'm like, no, I don't know if that's true. I feel like, I feel like feeling the feeling, like Lara was saying, you got to feel it. If it happens virtually, it happens in person. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do you not find that? But you then have to like name it quite quickly because you can't, it's, at least I'm finding very halt hard to hold that kind of like sulking energy on a video call because ultimately you kind of at least maybe that's my experience with a camera but at some point you're you're just staring at each other you can't walk around like mm-hmm. normally if you were in, a, in, in maybe in an interaction at home one of you is sulking the other one is like w- like there's a there's a there's a way that we regulate our energy as well like you can walk around you can go mm-hmm. to another you can go to another room like you can add movement to it but right now you're kind of like stuck on a chair in a camera or even if you're on a couch on a phone um there is still a very much like this like tunnel that you need to manage and i think yeah. when you're like that sulking at some point you need to call it what it is because you're like stuck in a tunnel 
Okay. All right. Actually, let's use that exact example because my I have the opposite experience oh, okay. with it with that exact. So when in person, if I'm in conflict and I am not in my wise mind, I am not emotionally intelligent. My default when I feel upset is to pull myself away. Is to be like, well, huh, and like storm out of the room, and I'm upset. And I go to the other room and I just sit there and I wait and I wait for someone to realize that I'm mad and do something about it. Right. I can't do that in the same way. Right. Yeah, that's what I, I mean, mean, I can I can say like I'm mad and then I like via text and the person. But it doesn't have to your point. It doesn't have the same. So I am using my words more now. But we have then we've you know, we've talked about alone together in my, in my partnerships as well where I will, we will be on the phone and it will be silent. <laughs> It'll just be like, I'm going to be quiet and mad on the phone <laughs> until we finally get to a place where we can have a conversation. Um, but I have found that it's better now that I have to use my words mm-hmm. as opposed to in person when I can like stop away and be in the other room. There's no virtual other room to mm-hmm. go to and the person can just live about their lives while I'm like, because <laughs> <laughs> they can't see me. and so. Um, I'm doing much better audience, by the way, with that, it's a big, you know, work in progress, um, <laughs> but all to say, no, that, that, that example is very real for me. I think that's uh-huh. very true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's a time where we're, um, really have to rely on our words, you know, and I want to kind of bring this a little home to our, to our listeners who are often, you know, our, most of our listeners are, are you know, really looking at their relationships, right? We, we say we're a podcast for those who challenge the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. And a part of challenging the status quo, at least for, for me and for, for the team, is um, being actively engaged with your relationship and your communication, which is because the status quo is a very passive participation of whatever the the, prescri- the societal description is and kind of not really getting getting in deeper Whereas we're kind of saying, like, let's get curious about relationship, let's get curious about love and how we date and how we meet and connect with people. And 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 a lot of our listeners are in either negotiating or in non-monogamous relationships. Some people are, you know, um, in one place with one partner and they have another partner that they can't see um, or they have to go back and forth between households like Jackie is doing right now. Um, and, you know, some people are separated, some people are too much together um what can we offer them from the lens of nvc that can you know give give people a little bit more of an understanding maybe help them build a little bit more of a tolerance to the situation and and deal with those dynamics a little better Mm. yeah 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 i think there there can be yeah a lot of different situations as 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 you speak as, as you as you mentioned so and i think probably one would have to look in some way on a case by case to understand. But I think in the generic thing that I can say is that it's going to really be, be critical to be able to, you know, situation by situation, be able to recognize what needs are being touched and what strategies may be available or not. Because I'm imagining that there could be at least uh, a couple of, common scenarios one where my one could be where my you know favorite strategies are not available because maybe i am not able to be physically close to my you know to to a partner and so all what typically happens through through touch and physical presence like you were saying after before sometimes when you know we you know we regulate each other also all of all of the 
of the people like myself was one of primary love languages touch you know it's like it's really hard you know it's such a sometimes uh, it feels like nothing really would you know would need needs uh, or this the, those needs for maybe nurturing um, other than that and some of us uh, may not be able to get that at all. There's some of us that are maybe self-quarantining themselves completely, you know, and or maybe that they're just leaving, you know, I'm, I'm solo poly. I'm imagining at, at many people who are, are solo poly maybe, you know, be by themselves if they're not, <clears throat> if they're not leave close enough to, you know, to some of their partners to be able to, to see them. So that's going to be an exercise in understanding, okay, I had a favorite strategy. It's not available right now. What is the need underneath? And then can I come up with other, you know, with other ideas? And, and also, can I allow myself to, to, to feel the pain of that strategy is not being available? You know, so mm-hmm. a little bit of both. The other, uh, I, so the, the other side could be, in those situations instead where maybe we are close with someone, but right now they are the only person that we're close with, you know, and it used to be, you know, that there were many and we used to have, you know, this uh, kind of beautiful resilience of being able to go to different, to different people. And now, you know, there's that person and maybe we may end up somehow consciously or unconsciously, maybe relying a lot on that particular person to you know for a different uh, um, uh, set of needs and I think so even in that case similarly to be able to recognize and to understand where you know what is which space that person is what their needs are what's our empathy tank you could Jack you mentioned that sort of mm-hmm. res- reservoir before so you know, mm-hmm. really being able to communicate very honestly as to where our tank is and uh, where we may need uh, <coughs> pardon me to recharge or to have space and maybe be creative in finding ways to carve space even when we are in uh, in uh, in close proximity and uh, and to be able to to yeah to acknowledge that um but ultimately, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like that the tracking of uh, what's alive moment by moment and, mm-hmm. uh, and what is that, you know, telling me without mm-hmm. being, being scared or without trying to suppress the feelings per se, but, <clears throat> but also, uh, you know, without putting a heavy expectation on, on someone to be mm-hmm. the one that... Uh, meets mm-hmm. our needs, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what what came up for me, and I think this is actually a really way to, to sort of t- come to have it, is I think the 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 qualities, the values, qualities that we that really is required to do this work is um, courage and curiosity, is what's oh, coming up for me. Yeah, um, that you really need to have the courage to face the feelings and be willing to talk about them. And, and to, to remain, to be and remain curious at all times to what, you know, what is alive in you, which is one of my favorite NBC, like saying, so like, yeah. what is alive in you? Um, and I think it's with courage and, and, um, curiosity that we get to do this work and, and able to connect with our fellow humans, um, yeah. in, 
all times, across all cultures, all relationship um, styles. It, it's just this, that human to human connection. Yeah. And that's what's mm-hmm. beautiful about NBC. It really facilitates that human to human connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. I was I was sharing yeah I was I'm recalling this this example that we were chatting about before and then maybe I, I'm I'm sharing in hope that maybe also may maybe resonates with some people but I think that in times like these uh, it's so important to you know to make space uh, to make space for feelings uh, maybe coming out a little um, more intensely I think there's another <laughs> very crucial idea in NBC which is maybe I'm curious how we, this is going to land with you, but but the idea that it's not other people that cause my feelings, but it's uh, it's really our needs. And so mm. I think that's uh, that's very important in that when I say like make space for uh, for our feelings, I'm, I'm maybe part of me is concerned and then we may just kind of yell the feelings out at someone because this is your fault, you know, or because you make me feel like that. Mm-hmm. And as opposed as to really just acknowledge that this is an experience I'm going through and maybe just, just hold my end uh, into that. And I know I had, uh, I had an interesting experience uh, during this, during this time, which, uh, which was that, you know, I am, as I said, I'm, I'm solo poly. I happen, you know, one of my core partners luckily live, um, you know, walking distance from me. So, and, but he's the only one. My other partners uh, are farther. So I'm not able to see, um, you know, anyone else at the moment. And, and, um, and he happens to be close to, you know, walking distance to also a few other of his partners. So there is a little bit of this kind of enforced asymmetry in that availability. And uh, and like a week ago or so, I was I was noticing, oh, oh my God, I'm I'm feeling jealousy in me. You know, I'm I'm feeling some some insecurity, and 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 I was, oh my God, I was so hard to even admit to myself because I was like, I had all these voices that would say, what the heck? I mean, we're in this situation and now, you know, you're feeling jealous. This is so, this is so unreasonable. You know, there's so much going on and this, you, you have this, you know, crap coming up. So these were my kind of inner parts. So a very sort of self judgmental part that came up as to this is not acceptable. And, uh, and then I was like, whoa, 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 yeah, back, back to basics. What, what is this, uh, you know, what is this uh, telling me? And, and how realized uh, kind of uh, how, how scared I felt that, you know, that maybe, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have uh, the support that I needed or the nurturing that I needed in, the, in this situation. I maybe felt kind of, yeah, in, insecure and, and, and scared and, uh, um, yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. but it was interesting to notice how there was that instinct to, to you know, to trying to shut that down, you know, to not um, mm-hmm. to not feel it. And I recall at some point I, I you know, I had such a very liberating cry actually on the phone with uh, with my core partner, just saying like, just expressing how painful it felt to hold that feeling because I, I love my metamors dearly. I mean, I love them to pieces and uh, it felt so hard for me to even admit that I, I was hosting those those feelings mm-hmm. in me. 
but I think it was hard because, yeah, we're used to say, oh, that means that I don't care about the other mm-hmm. people. Then what does that mean? It, doesn't, it just really just mm-hmm. means that I'm, that I may be scared and needing some mm-hmm. reassurance that, you know, that mm-hmm. my needs are going to be considered. And, and that mm-hmm. moment where he just held me and, you know, and stayed with me through that moment as I was really kind of sobbing and saying like, this is so painful to even bring up mm-hmm. um, was, was very powerful. And then it was, you know, it was gone. So I think mm-hmm. it's important that we have outlets. And, you know, I feel like blessed that I was able to, to hold that with my partner itself, but at least having, you know, friends, empathy buddies if we go along you know the way you know and then we get to you know to to have those in our lives it's uh, mm-hmm. to feel those feelings to see like what they tell us about ourselves and to you know yeah and to be yeah yeah hold them with uh, someone yeah mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing that because I think that it highlights the fact that and you shared this a few minutes ago that this is a journey that we are all on the journey in it, that there are going to be things that are triggering us, that there are going to be things that are create some hard times and that we have to continue to practice the tools and the self-reflection and the empathy and the listening and holding space and all those aspects of it in order to do this well. We just keep practicing and stay on the journey. And I think that, you know, we can talk about it now and continue, we can talk about it, you know, for hours and hours. And I, and I think that the reason why we can continue to talk about it is because there's so much work to be done in it. And so I want to give people two opportunities to continue to explore this. One is uh, NVC, NYC NVC is going to be hosting some online classes. Yes. And so we'll put the information in the show notes so that you can register online. Registration will start this week. And then you are coming back and you're going to be doing and facilitating a workshop for us. Yeah. Um, so that if you're if you're listening to this and you're saying, okay, conceptually this makes sense, I understand it from a brain perspective, from a from an emotional perspective, I understand, and I need more practice. I want the cheat sheet. I want to hear some real examples, and I want to work through my own examples. That's exactly what is going to happen on Tuesday, April fourteenth at seven thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So it is going to happen online so that it is open to everyone everywhere. And we're working closely with Clara to help translate this information. She is an excellent facilitator. Both Effie and I separately have gone to the to the weekend workshops. We've had her do, do an event for Curious Fox before. Um, and it is very much worth your time to come and listen and to practice and to really bring your own scenarios yeah. to it and leverage the NVC framework and concepts and philosophy to work out some really real strategies and pain points or rather real pain points that are happening for us. So that's going to happen on April 14th. That'll also be in the show notes. Um, but I thank you so much for, for joining us from afar, <laughs> from another part of Brooklyn and, and being on the call and for working with us and in, in, in creating something. We were supposed to do this in person both today and in April. And I appreciate you readjusting. So thank you very much. Yeah, it was such a pleasure. What a, I mean, I feel so enlivened after this conversation. We should do this every day. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we may need to just keep me on track with all of this. We may need to have this yeah, every day. And that, yeah, and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, to the our, when, our Tuesday evening together on the 14th. Mm-hmm. And as you said, yes, there's some online classes that are, 
starting after that that we are offering as NYC and VC. But of course, if for any reason there was, you know, there seemed to be a, a need for something even more targeted to the Curious Fox community, I'd be most mm -hmm. happy to even, uh, you know, create an extra. Uh, those are kind of smallish classes. They have about up to 15 people to create. It's mm -hmm. a kind of a small practice group. So I'd be absolutely open to, yeah to create something together yeah absolutely always always happy to collaborate with you doing anything clara I, just, I, I learn we learn and you have your your perspective and your 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 way of looking at things and your tone um makes my heart sing so um yes to all the offers of doing things together um <laughs> and before we let you go um we do have a request please um, if you're listening, if you like what you've just heard, if you like our programming, please like and review and share this podcast. It really does make a difference uh, in the way that we change the noise, um, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. If you leave us a review, um, one, we actually read them and it gives us direction on where to go. And two, it really helps us get on the map. The more reviews we have, the more likes we have, um, the more that we get listed in various um you know lists and and places so it really helps us put us on the map so please do that also um we do a bunch of other programming as you probably know we do workshops like the one that we talked about we are in the process of designing some um connection events where we want to look at like how our soirees would normally go and and put them online and put them in a virtual room and see if we can get people to connect to play to move, um, to flirt a little and, and see what that looks like. We're doing all that. We're actively being very, very creative and, and building all that for you. And you can follow us if you want to know what's going on. If you want to join um, these fun activities, follow us on uh, follow us at We Are Curious Foxes on Facebook, on Instagram, on Patreon. Uh, we are putting all our stuff out there. Um, and uh, we can also um, we're also adding a segment. Uh, where we are taking your questions. Um, so if you have a question that you would like us to explore, you can. You have various ways of getting in touch with us. Um, the funnest way that we like is for, us to, for you to give us a call. We're going back old school, and we're going to give you a phone number, record your question. We will play your question on the show, and um, Jackie and I, and, and if it makes sense, one of our experts uh, will answer your question. And to do that, call us on 201 Eight seven zero 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 six three. That is two zero one eight seven zero 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 six three. And if you're feeling a little bit shy and you'd rather not call us with a question, you can email us. You can reach us at listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com. Listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com. So there are many ways to get in touch with us: Facebook, Instagram, email phone there is no reason that you cannot get us your question or your feedback we thrive on it we create programming around it and now in particular because we are able to do more things virtually we can connect with you anywhere you are um so do that and if you have missed out on some of our programs so if you wanted to come to a workshop and you couldn't have in the past if you want to join one of the events that we are doing that is virtual then i encourage you to join our patreon uh, look for us at We Are Curious Foxes on Patreon. For Patreon members, we are doing virtual monthly socials 
for free. We are doing a upcoming event where we are doing a pajama party soiree virtually. We may play some truth or dare. There may be some story time. Uh Maybe some dancing. You won't know unless you're there. And one of the ways in which you can join is that you get in for free if you're a Patreon member. So check out those events via our social media, via our Facebook. If you want to be in touch and support what you are hearing, then join us on on Patreon and get some of that, those free goodies. And as always, not only do we say thank you, but we encourage you to continue to stay Stay curious. curious. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind, and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.